We've been studying the book of Daniel and the end of days. And you may be feeling right now that you're living in the end of days in light of what is going on, not only in our city, our state, our nation, but our entire world. I can't remember a single isolated event that affected the entire world before. But that is what this is doing. That's what's going on. And because of it, you may feel like you are living in the end of days or the end of times because of it. And that is probably because you remember what Jesus said about the end of days. He said in the end of days, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes and famines and even pestilence throughout the land. But even though these things will be, he said, that's not the end yet. The end won't come just yet. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached all over the world, then the end will come. And so I believe what the enemy meant for our demise and our destruction, for our evil and for our bad, God is going to work this thing out for our good and his glory. Now you have hundreds, if not thousands of churches who have been scrambling to try and get their ministry online. Because we are not able to meet collectively, corporately together, we've all been scrambling trying to get our ministry beyond the four walls of this church and allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached and proclaimed throughout the entire world. And that's what I believe is happening now. So yes, we may be seeing wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and even pestilences or diseases. But God also said this, when you see these things happening, look up for your redemption draws nigh. When you see these things happening, look up for your redemption draws nigh and salvation is a lot closer than when we first believed. Now, you may have some critics of the Bible, some who will say, but wait a minute, we've always had those things. We've always had wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and diseases and pestilence and all these things. We've always had those things, yes. But the Bible also will describe the end of days being compared to having birth pains. And if you've ever been pregnant or if you've ever been around somebody who's been pregnant, you know and understand what happens when you get closer and closer to that due date. The contractions, they become more frequent and they become more intense, more frequent and more intense. And even though we've seen all these things since the beginning of time, what we're going to see is they become more frequent and more intense as we are seeing. So now, this could be the beginning of sorrows, but whether it is or whether it isn't, whether this is something that we hope and we pray and believe will simply pass away, we know the end will eventually come. Whether this is it or not, we have to wait and, and find out, but we know the end will eventually come. So whether this is it or not, we want to be ready. We want to be ready, and that's why we've been studying the book of Daniel. That's why we've been studying end-time prophecy. That's why we've been looking at this 70th week of Daniel, because we want to be ready. Now, it's debatable how much of the end times we will see as the church. It's debatable how much of this 70th week of Daniel, or this last seven-year period, we will see as the church. I, for one, don't believe we will be here. I don't believe that we will be here for this 
70th week of Daniel or this tribulation period. But I've been wrong before. I'm sure I'll be wrong again. So just in case I am wrong and we are still here. Or just in case you are wrong because you didn't believe and you are still here. We want to know what this week holds. What is all in this 70th week of Daniel that is coming? And so far, if you've been with us, we've talked about the beauty who is also the beast. We've given you God's divine timeline. We've given you the reasons why we believe this will be a week that we are away We took you to the enemy's camp, including his campaign and his unholy cabinet. And last week we told you of the one world system that will rule all of the world. And wouldn't this be the perfect time for that? Wouldn't this be the perfect time for all of the world to come together and to work together to bring peace in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion and fear that we are feeling right now? Wouldn't it be the perfect time for a ruler to rise up and to bring a solution or a remedy to not only this problem, but all of the problems that we have and we're faced with? Well, it is coming and he is coming. (laughs) But while it will be peace for some when he comes, it will be anything but peace for others. Like Charles Dickens' tale of two cities, This time, this 70 week of Daniel will be a tale of two kingdoms. And as it was the best of times and the worst of times all at the same time, so it will be during the 70th week of Daniel. It will be peace for some and persecution for others. So I want to speak to you today, part seven of our series called The Seal Reveal, the message I'm entitling Peace and persecution. Peace and persecution. If you have your Bibles or you're following along, we'll have it up here on the screen for you. But Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 21, Daniel says this, I was watching and the same horn, this little horn, was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. That is, until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in the favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. The Bible says that this horn, this little horn, we know now is the Antichrist, this one world ruler who's going to rise to power to rule all of the world. He is going to do that. But when he rises to power to do that, and he has this power over everything and everybody, the Bible says that he is going to make war against the saints and prevail against them. He's going to make war against the people of God. And he's going to do this all for the sake of unity and peace. But the unity and peace won't be for everybody. You know, it's interesting, in this world, we we have a, a message out in the world right now that preaches inclusion and preaches tolerance, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with being inclusive and and tolerant, uh, depending on what you are including and being tolerant of. But it's interesting with the world, they will be inclusive and tolerant with everything and everybody but Christians. (laughs) 
They will take every viewpoint, every lifestyle, every belief you want to have and say, yes, let's be inclusive. Let's be tolerant of everybody except you Christians over there. Okay, You keep that message to yourself. You keep that word in the walls of the church. We don't want to include you in this. Well, just like it is in today's society, it will be in the 70th week of Daniel. There will be peace and there will be unity for everybody but the saints of the Most High, but the saints of God. Now, you may be thinking, but wait a minute, Pastor, I thought you said that Christians were were to be raptured before this takes place. We're going to be raptured before the 70th week of Daniel. So how then is the Antichrist going to war against the saints of the Most High if the saints of the Most High are no longer here? That's a good question. (laughs) Well, the ones that had been Christians are the ones who will be raptured out of here. But these are ones who will be Christians. See, contrary to uh, belief or opinion, there will still be salvation going on during the seventh week of Daniel. There will still be people who will be getting saved and believing and becoming disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. That will still take place during this time. You know, the Bible, Jesus Christ, he gave a parable about a wise man and a foolish man and he said the difference between the wise man and the foolish man was that the wise man heard the word of God and believed it he heard the word of God and he did it the foolish man was foolish not because he didn't hear the word of God no he heard the word of God as well but he didn't believe it he didn't do it and that's what caused him to be a fool. Well, in the 70th week of Daniel, what you're going to have is a bunch of fools who become wise. <laughs> you're going to have a bunch of fools who heard the word of God but didn't believe the word of God until now. When they begin to see all of these things happen and take place, they are then going to believe. These are the people who say, well, I got to see it before I can believe it. I got to see these things happen before I believe it. Well, during the 70th week of Daniel, they will see it and they will believe it. But unfortunately, they will also have to experience it because they wouldn't believe without seeing. They're going to believe with seeing, but they're going to have to experience what they see as well. And it is because of all these things that happen and take place that they are going to believe. So the events of the rapture of the righteous, the coalition of the ten kings, the reveal, the rise, and the rule of the Antichrist, the establishment of this unholy cabinet, making the world one, there are going to be those who heard all of these things but did not believe all of these things until now they have seen all of these things. And when they see all of these things, they then will believe, they will be saved, they will become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, but they will have to experience all of this as well. Now, there are some other events that are going to contribute to people getting saved and believing during this time. Okay. Not only the rapture of the church and the rise of the Antichrist and the one world system that is set in place, that is going to contribute to people believing, but there's going to be some other things that is going to contribute to people believing at this time. And one is found in Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 11, 
Starting in verse 1, the Bible says of another event that is going to happen that is going to cause people to believe in him. It says in verse 1, Then I was given a reed like the measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. But leave, watch this, leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Now remember what sets off the 70th week of Daniel. Right now, remember, we are in a pause. We are in an intermission between the 69th week and the 70th week beginning. But remember what we said is going to set off or start the time again of this 70th week. It is not the rapture of the church that sets it off. It is the signing of this seven-year peace treaty between Israel and Palestine, peace in the Middle East. When that is established and signed, start the clock again. And the Bible says here in Revelation 11 that the Antichrist is going to be able to do this. Remember Daniel 9:27. Daniel 9:27 says, "Then he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant or a contract, an agreement with many for one week or one seven-year period." But in the middle of that week, 42 months or three and a half years, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So the Bible says this, not only will the Antichrist bring, quote unquote, peace on earth, he will also do what no one has been able to do all this time, and that is bring peace to the Middle East. He is going to get Israel and Palestine to agree on this seven year peace treaty where they will be able to share the Holy Land. Part of it will be for the Jews. Part of it will be for the Gentiles, the Bible says. And when they sign the seven-year peace treaty, it's going to give them the ability to rebuild God's house. To rebuild the temple of God. So not only do you have millions of people who are gone without a trace. Not only do you have one world rule and ruler in place. Not only do you have peace that is contrary to God. Not only do you have the Hatfields and the McCoys now all of a sudden getting along with each other. So much so that you see what you thought you would never see. And that is the temple of God being rebuilt again. All of these things are going to contribute to many seeing these things, experiencing these things, observing these things, and believing in the word of God. They're going to remember all of the Bible studies. They're going to remember all of the lessons. They're going to remember all of the sermons and the teachings on these things when they didn't believe. But now when they see these things happening and coming to pass, it is going to cause them to believe. But there is something else that will also cause people to believe at that time and become Christians or followers of Christ. I should say someone else or Actually, two people. This is in verse 3 of Revelation 11. Revelation 11, verse 3, it says, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. The Bible says not only will you have all of the events that take place and the rebuilding of the temple, 
But God is going to send two witnesses, okay? Two witnesses who are going to speak on behalf of God. That's what prophesying is. To prophesy simply means to speak on behalf of God. So God at this time during the 70th week of Daniel, he is going to send two witnesses who are going to prophesy or speak on behalf of God for 1,260 days. How long is that? 42 months. How long is that? Three and a half years. Exactly like Daniel prophesied hundreds of years before this was written. For three and a half years or 42 months or 1,260 days, these two men, these two witnesses, they're going to prophesy or speak on behalf of God, which is going to cause many to believe in God as well. Now, the question people have when they read this and hear about these two witnesses is this. Who are these two witnesses? Who are these two witnesses that are going to come and prophesy or speak on behalf of God during this tribulation period? Well, the names are not given, but many believe it will be Elijah and Enoch. There are some who believe that these two witnesses will be Elijah and Enoch. Okay. And the reason why they believe it will be Elijah and Enoch is because they will use the scripture that says it has been appointed unto man once to die and then after that the judgment. Okay. Well, these are two men who never died. <laughs> if you remember your, your, your uh, Bible stories in uh, Hebrews 11, these two men are the only two men that never die. Enoch, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, walked with God and then was no more. He did not see death. Why? Because God took him and called him up. So Enoch never experienced death. He never died. Elijah, we know, experienced the same thing. He got his own personal rapture when the chariot of fire came down, separated Elijah from Elisha. It took Elijah up into heaven. So Elijah got his own personal rapture. He never died. So because the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die and these two men never die, many believe the two witnesses that will come back so that they may do God's will and then die will be Elijah and Enoch. But then you have others who believe that it won't be Elijah and Enoch. It will more likely be Elijah and Moses. It will be Elijah and Moses that will come back. And some of the scriptures they use for that, they will say during uh, Jesus's transfiguration, when he kind of came out of his skin, as it were, the Bible says Elijah and Moses showed up on the mountain with him. Okay, And because of all of the signs and all of the wonders and all of the miracles that these two witnesses are going to be able to do, they are the exact same signs and wonders that Elijah and Moses did. For example, in verse four. It says, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. So God says these two men or these two witnesses, they're going to have the power to call down fire from heaven and consume anybody who tries to come against them. Well, who had the uh, power to call down fire from heaven? Elijah. (laughs) 
Elijah had this power to call down fire from heaven. And the Bible says during this time when they are prophesying and speaking, if anybody comes against them, it's going to turn into mortal combat. (laughs) It's going to turn into their their fatality. Finish them. They're going to speak and fire is going to come out and going to consume their enemies on the spot. Elijah was the one who was able to do this, who had the power to call down fire from heaven. But it also says this, these have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Okay, well, who had the power to shut down heaven so it would not rain for three and a half years? Elijah. Elijah prayed and it did not rain and he prayed again and it rained again. So Elijah had this power to do that. But not only that, it says this, and they have the power over the waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Again, who hath the power to turn water into blood and to strike Egypt with all kinds of plagues? Moses had that power. So because of all the things that these two witnesses are going to be able to do, many believe it won't be Elijah and Enoch. It will be Elijah and Moses. But whoever these men are, whoever they are, they will be two mortals who are immortal until their time of mortality. Okay, Let me repeat that because this is important about what we're experiencing right now. These two witnesses, they're going to be two mortals who will be immortal. They cannot die. They will not die until it is time for them to die, which means that God has their life in his hands. No matter what comes against them, no matter what comes their way, they will not be able to die. Thus says the Lord until it is time for them to die. And what is true of these two witnesses is true of you and I as well. You don't have to worry about dying of coronavirus if God doesn't say it is time for you to die of this coronavirus. God has your life in his hands. This is what David tells us in in, in the book of Psalms, I believe, where he says, Lord, all the days that you had for me were written in your book even before there was one. Even before I was, even before I came to be, you already preordained all of my days, even before there was one. And in the same way, what God did with David, he does with us as well. There is an appointed day and time when we will leave this world. But until that day, God says we are immortal. Until that day, God says, I have your life in my hands and no thing and no one will ever be able to pluck you out. No one will be able to come against you and prevail until the appointed time. And these two witnesses, even though they're going to be hated, they're going to be attacked, they're going to have all kinds of things come against them. They will not be able to die, the Bible says, until it is time for them to die. And that is an encouraging word for all of us here who are fearful and afraid of what is going on and happening in our world today. So you have all kinds of things that are happening during the 70th week of Daniel. And all these things are working together to cause many to believe in God, many to believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. But there are still others that will contribute to this. In Revelation 7, in Revelation 7, verse 2, it says this. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. 
And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, watch this, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. The Bible says that during this 70th week of Daniel, the angel of God is going to come and place a seal on 144,000 Jews. Okay? <laughs> This 144,000 is not all the people who will be saved. It is not the church. The church is gone. It is certainly not the Jehovah's Witnesses of today, contrary to what they will tell you. No, the Bible says 12,000 from every tribe of Jacob, of Israel. These are 144,000 Jews that believe in God, that uh, bend their knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ. They're going to receive this seal. That is going to protect them and keep them during this time. And perhaps God is going to use these 144,000 Jews to evangelize the entire world. Why do we say that? Well, because in verse 9, it says this great multitude is going to come out of the great tribulation, perhaps due to these 144,000 people. It says in verse nine, after these things, I look and behold a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with robes, with palm branches in their hands. In verse 13, then one of the elders answered and said to me, who are these arrayed with white robes and where did they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. This is a great harvest that is going to come even from this seven year period or this time of great tribulation that is going to come upon this earth. Because of all these things are going to contribute and take place, many during that time is going to believe. Many at that time are going to become Christians. Many at that time are going to become followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And so during this time, you will have the representatives of Christ winning people to Christ, <laughs> to the glory of Christ. But that means it will be to the dismay of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is not going to like this. <laughs> He is not going to put up with this, which means he is going to come against it and come against them as well. First, he's going to come against the believing Jews. Revelation 12, 13 says, now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Well, who's the woman who gave birth to the male child? Israel. Israel gave birth to the Christ, the Messiah. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. How long is that? Three and a half years. See how consistent the word of God is. 
from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. He's going to send a great army after after Israel that he might cause her to be carried away by that flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So the Antichrist is going to come against the Jews, the believing Jews, the 144,000 who believe and who come against his system. He is going to send an army against them, but God again is going to save and preserve and keep them. But then he's going to do the same thing to the believing Gentiles. In verse 17, it says this, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, Israel, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Christianity comes from Judaism. Okay, So the rest of her offspring would be all the believing Gentiles. He went and made war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's coming against the Jews who believe. He's coming against the Gentiles who believe. And then thirdly, he's even coming against these two witnesses. In Revelation 11, verse 7, it says, When they had finished their testimony, these two witnesses, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. Okay, So these two witnesses will be killed. Okay? They won't be killed before it's time for them to be killed, but they will be killed okay? at the end of this three and a half year period that they've been prophesying. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and even send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So it's going to turn into a holiday, okay? <laughs> When these two witnesses who tormented the rest of the world, who came against the rest of the world, who prophesied against the world, when they are finally killed, all of the world is going to celebrate this. They're going to rejoice over this. They're going to make merry with this. And they're going to even exchange gifts. It's going to be, become like a Christmas when this happens. They're going to rejoice over these two witnesses that are now killed and their bodies lay dead in the street. The Antichrist is going to come against everyone who doesn't believe and enter into the system that he has established. In other words, there is only one option and one option alone in order to avoid the persecution by this world while you're in this world. There's only one option <laughs> to avoid the persecution that is here and is coming by the world while you are in the world. And that is by you being of the world and becoming one with the world. If that is the only way you will be able to avoid the persecution that is coming. It is by you being of this world and becoming one with this world. Other than that, persecution is coming your way. We well, say, well, how will you know if you are of this world 
and you have become one with this world. Well, the way that we know today is simply by living in the flesh, having a sinful, carnal, worldly mind or mentality and living out in the flesh is one of the signs that you may not really be found in Christ. You are of this world and you are acting just like this world to avoid the persecution of this world. Well, at this time, just acting out in the flesh won't be enough. (laughs) Just acting like everybody else won't be enough for you to avoid persecution. There is one thing that is going to uh, bring about a distinction between the saints of the Most High God and those who are of and one with this world. We looked at this last week, but it is again in Revelation 13, 15. It says this, and he was granted power, the uh, false prophet was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and watch this, and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Okay, This image that the Antichrist and the false prophet is going to have all the people erect, he's going to cause everybody, the entire world, to worship this image, worship this beast. And if you don't worship this beast or this image, you die. Okay? It reminds me a lot like what happened with Daniel's three friends. (laughs) If you remember that story, when Nebuchadnezzar erected an image and caused all of the kingdom to bow down and worship the image. And if you didn't do that, you were thrown into the fiery furnace, right? Well, the same thing is going to happen in the 70th week of Daniel. You're going to have this image of the beast, and the beast is going to cause all of the world to bow down and worship the beast and worship this image. And if you don't, you die. So how will you know then if people are sincerely worshiping the beast? Well, there will be one thing that will separate those who worship the beast and those who won't. It's found in verse 16. It says, he causes all. Both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may be able to buy nor sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. The way that it is going to be determined or distinguished between the saints of the Most High who will not worship this beast nor the image and those of this world who will is by those who are willing to receive the mark. Those who are willing to receive the mark, that is how it is going to be blatantly obvious who is worshiping the beast and this image and who won't. It is by receiving this mark. And so... The question that everybody has in their mind, you know, inquiring minds want to know, (laughs) is what is this mark? What is the mark of the beast? What is the mark of the Antichrist? What is this 666, okay? And you have so many different theories and 
conclusions and um, calculations that people have come up with to say this is what it means. Some people thought maybe it was visa because the VI in Norman Rumor was six. The S in another language is a six and the A is a, is a six. So maybe it was the visa. Some have all kinds of different theories of what the mark is. Okay. And the reason why people want to know what this mark is, is one, out of curiosity, but two, out of caution. (laughs) The reason why people want to know what this mark is, is because they don't want to mistakenly take it. Okay, You don't want to mistakenly take this mark. That's why uh, when the um, Social Security numbers came out, there were many who didn't want a Social Security number because they thought maybe that was the mark of the beast. Or if you go into Chuck E. Cheese and you say, well, mark my left hand, don't mark my right hand. That may be the mark. I don't want to receive the mark on my hand. Or you go to any club or whatever and they mark your hand. You you, you don't want that mark because that may be the, the mark of the beast. Well, I believe there are many theories, but since there's no absolute certainty, I believe, number one, it is a moot point. And I believe it is a moot point, not only because I believe we won't be here, to have this option, but even if we are here, there's another reason why you are going to know what the mark is. You don't have to guess, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to uh, work things out or figure things out. Anybody who is here will absolutely know what the mark is. They will absolutely know exactly what it is why they're they're taking this mark as well when it happens. And that is because you will have one more set of evangelists during this 70th week of Daniel. One more set of evangelists. So you have the 144,000 Jews who are evangelizing. You have the two witnesses who are evangelizing. But you have one more set of evangelizers who will be evangelizing during this time. And they are the angels of God. The angels of God will also be evangelizing during this time. You have three. One angel will come and preach the gospel of God. In Revelation 14, 6, it says this. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. To every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So you're going to have this one angel who's going to come and he's going to preach the gospel of God to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every kindred. Everybody is going to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. But then you'll have another angel who will come. This second angel will prophesy the fall of our foe. In verse 8 it says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So you have one angel who is preaching the gospel. You have another angel who is proclaiming the fall of Babylon. But then you have one more angel, that third angel, the last angel, And what this angel will be doing is proclaiming a warning to all the world. 
This last angel, this third angel is going to proclaim a warning to all the world. In verse 9, he says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the whole of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends how long forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name you don't have to worry about or whoever is here won't have to worry about trying to figure out the mark you don't have to worry about trying to calculate it and, and wonder what it is. And if I'm taking it by mistake, you won't have to do that. Why? Because this third angel is going to let the world know. This is the beast. This is his image. And this is his mark. And whoever worships this beast and worships this image and takes his mark on your right hand and forehead, you have sealed your fate. You have sealed your faith. The problem, however, though, as we talked about last week, without this mark, you won't be able to function in society. You won't be able to buy a thing. You won't be able to sell a thing. And it will be everywhere, wherever city, state, nation, country you go to, it will be there waiting for you. So if you want to eat... <laughs> If you want to function in society, if you don't want to be persecuted, if you don't want to be found out, then you're going to want to take the mark. But as soon as you take this mark, you would have sealed your eternal destiny. You would have sealed your fate. So God is going to allow this last angel to come to preach and to proclaim and to warn all of the world, do not take this mark. Do not take this mark and worship the beast, for the moment you do, you would have sealed your faith. You know, the question that many people have about the 70th week of Daniel or the seven-year period of, of tribulation is this. Will there be believers at this time? Will people be getting saved at this time, I mean, the spirit of God has been removed. The church has been removed and the Antichrist has come on scene. He's established this one world system. So with all of that, will there still be believers? Will there still be people getting saved during this time? Answer, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, there will be people getting saved at this time. Absolutely, there will be people giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Absolutely, they will be coming disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. But it will be at a price. It will be at a price. Just like the rest of the world will have peace at a price, Christianity will come at a price or cost as well. Now, please don't get me wrong. Salvation is still free. <laughs> And it's free to us. It, it costs Jesus his life. But salvation is still free. But to become a Christian during this time, 
to become a disciple, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to become a Christian at this time will come at a cost. And much like today, only many, many, many times worse, the price will be persecution. The price will be persecution. If we are here or if you are here during this time, you will still have the opportunity to be saved. You will still have the opportunity to give your life to Christ and to become a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. But it will be at a price and that price will be persecution like you've never seen. So in closing, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know both now And then verse 12 of Revelation 14 says this. Here is the patience of the saints. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Those who will be able to go through this great tribulation and escape it with their salvation will be those who keep their faith and who keep the commandments of their God and are patient no matter what. Well, what is patience? Patience is a willingness to wait. That's what patience is. Patience simply means that you are willing to wait. And God says during this time, Here is where the patience will be tested. (laughs) Here's where your patience will be tested. Whether or not you're going to keep my commandments or not, whether or not you're going to keep the faith or not, is going to take you having patience. Are you willing to wait on me? You see, at this time, they may now have peace while the saints of God have persecution. But when God comes back, he's going to flip the script. (laughs) When Jesus comes back at the end of this seven years, he's going to flip the script where their peace and our persecution is only temporary. But when he comes back, our peace and their persecution will be permanent. Right now or during this time, their peace and our persecution is temporary. But when Jesus Christ comes back to flip the script, our peace And their persecution will be permanent. And God is simply asking, are you willing to wait for me to come back? Will you be willing to wait for me to return to flip this script? Or for the sake of temporary peace, will you sell your soul? Will you seal your fate to function in and of this world? That is the question that is going to have to be asked by those who are here at the seventh week of Daniel. Now, growing up, I remember a particular candy that a lot of people liked that we used to have in school. They were called now-laters, okay? Y'all remember now-laters? We didn't say the end. We just said it all together, now-laters. <laughs> but, they're, but they're actually called now and later. <laughs> and now-later candy had a slogan, had a tagline, and it said this, Hard and fruity now, soft and chewy later. When you first put these, this candy in your mouth, it may be hard and fruity now, but just wait. <laughs> just wait. It will become soft and chewy later. Well, in the same way, peace and persecution is relative. 
Peace and persecution is relative. The question is, do you want temporary peace and permanent persecution now? Or do you want temporary persecution and permanent peace later? My prayer to you and God's challenge to all of us is we choose the latter. We choose the latter. Come one way, whether we go through the 70th week of Daniel or not, persecution is already happening. Persecution of the saints of God, the saints of the Most High, it is already happening. And what they're doing on the other side of the world, it will eventually reach these shores of the United States. But we don't have to wait even till then. Persecution of Christians, of the saints of God, is already happening. No matter how small or minute or how great it is, it's already happening. And we already have the opportunity to either be patient and wait for the coming of Christ or to give in to avoid the persecution of this world. So the question is up to you and I. Will we be patient? Will we wait on the Lord to come? As we close our service in this time that we are in right now, I want to speak to you, our audience online. And each and every time we preach God's word, We always want to give you an opportunity to make some decisions in light of what you have now heard. Now, like I said, I don't know how much of the end of days or end times or this 70th week we will see. But again, we already see uh, signs of it. The Bible says that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. His workers are already at work. And the ways or the system of this world is already in place. And you have to make a decision regardless of whether you're in the house of God or right where you are sitting watching this broadcast. You have to right now make a decision of what you're going to do with what you have now heard. And I don't know, as I said, if this uh, latest Uh, virus that we are faced with right now will soon come to an end and we will get back to life as normal or if there is something on the other side of it that is coming down the pipe but regardless of whatever comes our way you can have the assurance and the confidence that your life is in the hands of almighty God And just like he's going to seal those 144,000 Jews, and just like he's going to keep and protect those two witnesses, and just like he sends forth his angels to warn all the people and preach the gospel so that every tribe, nation, tongue, and kindred may have an opportunity to hear and to believe, he wants to do that with you right here and right now. So I want you to examine your heart, examine your life, The Bible says we are to examine ourselves to see whether or not we be in the faith. And perhaps you are listening to this message and God is speaking to you. And you know in your heart of hearts that you are not a believer. You are not a Christian. You've played church. You've come to church from time to time. You pray to God from time to time when you need him, when you're in trouble. But in your heart of hearts, you know you have never truly repented of your sin. And that simply means to turn from the way and the direction that you were headed in the ways of this world. 
You've never turned from that direction and turned to a new direction toward Jesus Christ, the cross and his kingdom. But right now, God has gotten your attention. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why God has removed his hand and allowed this to come to pass, this coronavirus. For if no other reason but to shake us up and to get our attention, that we may examine our own mortality and know there are things that are beyond our power and beyond our control, that we may call upon the name of the Lord, that he may save us. So this is your wake-up call. This is my wake-up call. This is the world's wake-up call. The question is, will you answer it? Will you answer it or will you just hit snooze and, and suppress it and try and just get on with the rest of your life as best you can? Why don't you take the hand of God at this time? Take the hand of God full of mercy and grace, willing to forgive you of all of your sin, past sin, present sin, and even future sin you haven't committed yet. He's willing to take his own shed blood and apply it to you, washing your sins away, separating you from your sin as far as the east is from the west, throwing your sin into the sea, never bringing it up again, but calling you pure, holy, righteous. Not because of you, not because of anything that you've done or haven't done but simply because you were willing to rely on what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. And it is real simple. All you have to do is open your heart and let him in. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. I don't open a door. I don't kick the door down or kick it in. I simply stand at the door and I knock. And I wait for you to open up your uh, door of your heart and let me in. If God is doing that right now, if he's knocking at your heart, if he's speaking to you right now and he is beckoning you to open up your heart and your life and let him in, let him come in to save you, to forgive you, to cleanse you, to heal you, to fill you and then to use you mightily to win the world for him. Make that decision at this time. We want to thank everybody for joining us for this virtual church service that we've had. And it has been an honor and a privilege of ours to be able to serve Corpus Christi and beyond in this way. And we want to continue to do that. And so if and when all of this is said and done and over and we get back to some sense of normality, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person, corporately, together, collectively, because I still believe there is a different dynamic when the people of God come together in the house of God. But until then, we will continue to have these services in this way, and we encourage you to continue to tune in and be a part of what God is doing through Believe Church and beyond. And also, we want to give you an opportunity to give to the kingdom of God as well. Now, we're not going to hold anything back. Obviously, we need you to give not only of your time, not only of your talent, but even of your treasure, of your resources, that we may continue to do what God has called us to do. You know, as they say, salvation is free, but ministry costs. And we want to be able to continue even when all this is said and done. The 
dim reality of all this is some businesses and even some churches will not be able to recover from this. But we want to make sure every church that is called by God will be able to be sustained and kept and will recover when all this is over, that we may continue to do what God has called and purposed us to do. And this is how you come in. This is how you're able to be a part of what we're doing here at Believe Church, and that is by giving. And because we're not able to give personally, we've made ways where you can still give. We use a system called Easy Tithe here at Believe Church. And if you're not familiar with Easy Tithe or you don't have an account with Easy Tithe, we have a link that you can click on and either with an Android or an iPhone, uh, you can go to the App Store and click on Easy Tithe, uh, look for our church, set up an account, and that way you can give electronically to this ministry. You can also give by snail mail. We'll give you the P.O. box uh, on there as well. So if you want to just mail in an offering or your tithes, you can do that as well. But we want to thank you already in advance simply for just tuning in and allowing us to minister to you in this way. So as we close, wherever you are, we just want to give you the blessing or the benediction of the Lord at this time. And then we'll be done for today. Our benediction comes from Mark 8.36. It's a familiar passage of scripture that we've all, I'm sure, have heard before. But it simply says this. For what will it profit a man if he is able to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What have you really gained? What have you really profited if you were able to gain the entire world but yet it costs you your soul. Why would you give up all of eternity for what God says is temporary? I believe peace comes at a price, whether it's temporary or permanent. But the question is, for which one should you be willing to pay? And like the old quote goes, he is no fool who is willing to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. May we not be fools today. May we be wise. And may we be able to give anything and everything for the sake of keeping and gaining what we could never lose. That is my heart. That is my prayer for each and every one of you. Wherever you are, lift your hands to heaven and receive the blessing or the benediction of the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for this time and this opportunity that you have given us to express and exemplify the victory that we still have, even in spite of what this world is faced with right now. And we thank, thank you that your word, your praise, has been able to go forth in spite of all this. And even now, God, we're able to experience your presence and everything that comes with it. So we ask and pray right now that the words that have been spoken here have prepared your people we have been thoroughly equipped for every good work you've called us to do, both now and forever. So we pray at this time you will watch over us. You will keep us whose minds are stayed on you. And we will have perfect peace, unspeakable joy, confidence and assurance that we will see the goodness of the Lord, even in the land of the living. We pray this all in the powerful and precious name 
of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King. We pray this in his name and his name above all others and all God's people said together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll love you. We'll see you next time.